This is our summer of prayer. We're asking Jesus again to teach us how to pray. It's something that is very core, very basic. It's the first step in our relationship with him is how to communicate with him and how to hear his voice. And we've had the opportunity of having a number of leaders speak this summer and just delighted that Tim and Alyssa can be with us. Tim is a... Uh, I would call you a design engineer. Is that the best phrase? Oh, so you, a designer, product designer, yeah. So you have a, an engineer, and you run them into an artist and mash them together, and you've got Tim. <laughs> and then Alyssa has been an elementary school teacher, as she's run our children's ministries here. They're a power team living in Roxbury right now. And every once in a while, we get texts from Alyssa that say, we've had gunshots out our window, please pray. And it's just the reality of the choices that they've made to move into the inner city and, and to obey Jesus. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's exciting. There's some risk involved. But these are some amazing people. We're so delighted that you're here. Will you join me as we pray for them and get them started? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for Tim and Alyssa, for Silas, Lord. We, are, we believe that you're using their family to impact many others. So come, Holy Spirit, fill them with your discernment. Give them anointing to teach your word with great boldness and with deep conviction. We honor you, Lord. Say yes ahead of time. Before anything comes forward, we believe if it's according to your will and your word, we say yes, Jesus. We agree. We will. We want to hear you. We want to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mark, I wish you didn't say that with all our family in the room (laughs) about the gunshots, but that's okay. Yeah, I am Alyssa Tachi. Uh, I am Director of Children's Ministry here in Antioch, Brighton. I am a mom of one, almost one-year-old. I was educator by trade, a storyteller by choice, and married to three years to my handsome husband, We just came up on our three-year anniversary this week, so so now they now they think we're ready to preach. So that's why that's why we're here. So, so I'm Tim, as Mark said. I'm a product designer. Um, As I was fumbling with this headset, I was thinking, if I were to redesign this headset, uh, the first thing I would do is integrate it with my beard, right? So, um, camouflage it. as Alyssa said, we're joined by our families today. Uh, my parents are sitting right in the middle with my brother Bart. And um, I wanted to start by talking about a story from my childhood that my parents could also relate to you. As a child, I had a very vivid imagination, and I also am a light sleeper. And so those two things combined, and I had a lot of uh, bad dreams in the middle of the night. And I would wake up, and I had this little blue blanket that I would uh, carry with me as I shuffled over to my parents' bedroom, and I would knock on their door and say, Mom, Dad, had a bad dream. Uh, And so they would receive me in and uh, pray with me, comfort me, and, uh, and I would go back to bed. And then... I did this one time and knocked on their door and, uh, you know, they said, you know, it's time for you to start praying uh, on your own to ask God uh, yourself. You're, you know, you're going off to college next year. Uh, 
So it, in reality, this started a lot sooner than that. Uh, but they, I was supposed to be the funny one today. But. <laughs> they taught uh, my siblings and I how to pray. Um, they taught us the Lord's Prayer, and they taught us certain psalms that we memorized. And when we think about prayer and the Lord's Prayer, uh, sometimes when we approach the Lord's Prayer, it can seem kind of like this arbitrary or extemporaneous statement that Jesus had. Like, where did he come up with this paragraph? Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that, in reality, if you look at all of the Psalms and you look at the Lord's Prayer, you can see traces of all of the Psalms in the Lord's Prayer. So, in many ways, the Lord's Prayer is a summation or a distillation of all of the Psalms. And so I just wanted us to be thinking about that today. We're, we're focusing a lot on the last uh, two petitions in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we're talking about, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we want to focus on what is temptation, what is evil. Um, going back to that, that Lord's Prayer, we I believe the Lord's Prayer starts off with who God is as we sit at his feet. It reminds us to practice trust and forgiveness as we walk in his footsteps. And finally, it ends with this supplication for deliverance as we battle temptation and evil. So, we would, so why, why does Jesus end with this focus on temptation and evil? We would say that when we... Uh, focus on temptation and evil, uh, we have a proper response to temptation and evil with prayer uh, because a proper response is critical to reaching our coworkers, our families, our city, and the nations. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that again. Yep. That, that is the main idea today. So we're submitting to you that Jesus ended the Lord's Prayer with this because having the proper response to evil and temptation, prayer, it's critical in reaching our coworkers, our families, our city, and the nations. So before we get to the proper response of evil and temptation, we want to touch a little on the power and the meaning of those words. So lead us not into temptation. So who played a little spiritual tug-of-war last week at our service? Yeah, okay. Um, so temptation. When we were, um, I was thinking about this word and thinking about what things I associate with it. A story from my childhood came to mind. Um, and this is something that has was, happened more than once, which is probably why I can remember it. I don't have as great of a memory as Tim, but I can remember probably seven and eight years old um, at, after my mom would finish dinner and clean up the kitchen and turn the lights off, and it was kind of like the end of the night, we're getting ready for school the next day, she would always light a candle and put it on our stove. And that was kind of the symbol of the kitchen is done, nobody come in the kitchen, don't touch anything, and you know, and again, just the end of the night, and I just vividly remember that, and I can remember kind of walking by it, going to the bathroom, brushing our teeth, and things like that, and just really being mesmerized by the flame, always, and I think still I have this mesmerization with fire, I love sitting out by the bonfire and just staring at it, you know, I think, I think that's actually a common thing, it's really, it's fascinating, it's intriguing, you're, you're curious a little bit about what's going on, and, and the power of the flame, right, and so I can remember one night um, crawling up onto the counter and sticking a Kleenex into the flame. Uh, and, of course, 
I got burnt. <laughs> burnt my fingers, burnt my thumb. And I had known you don't play with fire. Like, that was not a question that fire was a safe thing. Um, but I had, I had done that probably a second or a third time in my childhood. I had done it multiple times. And so I was thinking, okay, there's some parallels here with temptation, right? There's some parallels with um, the things that hurt us sometimes are really mesmerizing, right? We were mesmerized by things that we know can hurt us, right? Sin and temptation. Um, so that, that looks different now as adults, right? It looks like maybe watching media that's really not great for you, that you, you know, right? Or how you use Instagram, or um, so you're spending, you know, using your credit card for things that maybe you don't need, right? So these things that, that sometimes can hurt us, can be temptations, are really mesmerizing to us. And so that was something that I had been thinking about when we were talking about temptation, and just a story to kind of draw you in a little bit to the types of sin and temptation that we're going to be discussing today. So Satan knows how to exploit the, the temptations that we're most susceptible to, the ones that we're most mesmerized by. Tim Keller talks about this. He talks about in his sermon on spiritual warfare how Satan knows our resonance frequency. So nerd alert. Um, what, what is resonance frequency? If you open up a piano and you sing at the right pitch, you can actually uh, reverberate one of the piano strings uh, because you're matching the same frequency as that and causing it to resonate. And so the same idea applies to temptation. Satan knows our weaknesses, and he exploits them. Uh, He tempts us in those ways. And we see that uh, in the story of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Um, So either Matthew chapter 4 or Luke chapter 4 are very similar narratives, but he starts with uh, the thing that you are most easily tempted by. So after 40 days of fasting, Jesus is easily tempted by hunger, right? By the natural fleshly appetite that he has. And he also mixes that with a little bit of doubt. So he starts off saying, if you are the Son of God, sowing a little bit of doubt in there. Then he moves on from the fleshly appetite and he questions Jesus' identity, right? He says, come up to the, the top of the temple and throw yourself down from here. If you are the Son of God, uh, you will be saved. So are you really the Son of God? He's basically sowing this doubt and questioning that identity uh, in Jesus. And then finally, he ends by trying to pump Jesus' ego a little bit, right? He's appealing to pride, and he says, uh, if you bow down to me, I will give you all of the nations, all, all the cities, right? And basically, he's, he's appealing to this desire that we have for power, this desire to be our own God and to do our own thing. So temptation works in a variety of, of different forms, uh, but it's literally a type of testing. So the, the word that we see in this, lead us not into temptation, it's the same word that shows up in that temptation in the wilderness. The Greek word means a putting to proof, a trial of man's fidelity, integrity, virtue, and constancy. So something to think about as we encounter temptation is that uh, while God does not tempt us, it says in James that God does not tempt us, uh, it is still a trial, an opportunity for us to show our devotion to God. So historically, if we do enter into temptation, uh, we have this 
uh, final petition that says, deliver us from evil. Um, there's a lot of debate, scholars debate, why would uh, Jesus pair these two things together? And that's one interpretation is, if we do enter into temptation, Lord, deliver us. So what is evil? Uh, if we look at this passage from Ephesians, uh, this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So kind of a meaty passage, uh, difficult to break down a little bit, but if we think about how it describes evil, we see three different spheres, starting from a very internal perspective. If we look at ourselves, we have these desires in our flesh and in our mind uh, that we would most commonly call sin. Then we see the brokenness around us, the, the way of the world sort of headed towards brokenness, um, and we might see that as society, the brokenness in society. And then finally, it talks about the prince, uh, the power of the air, and we would see this as, as Satan, right? We see the works of evil evident through Satan and his dominion uh, in various parts of Scripture and in our lives today. So Dean Sherman talks about uh, Satan and his works, and he says Satan uses three main things. This is everything Satan does, his entire kingdom emanate from pride, unbelief, and fear. So we want to address those a little bit today during our response time. And we want to talk about how can we battle against pride, how can we battle against unbelief, and how can we battle against fear. In general, evil is something that we can all agree on, not just Christians, but I think uh, many of us, if we ask our coworkers uh, for evidence of evil and you show them a newspaper, they'll be able to figure out that things in our world are not right. Uh, there's a lot of violence, a lot of crime, and so we can see evidence of evil. And I would submit that starting with evil and having a proper response to evil might be our most effective witness to our coworkers, our friends, and our family. Yeah, so what is the proper response to temptation and evil? Well, how did Jesus respond? Tim, Tim already gave us um, Jesus in the wilderness story, but I want to bring you into Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus responded with prayer, right? So when Jesus gets to the garden with his disciples, he tells them, stay here and wait and watch and I'll go and pray. And he gets on his face, it says, and he calls out to God and he says, if it's possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. Not my will, but your will be done. And he goes back and checks on his disciples and they're asleep. And he says, this, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Right? And he goes back and prays a second time and a third time again, pleading to the Father, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, your will be done. Right? And so this um, is not a sin of doing something or a temptation of doing something, but it's a temptation of not 
doing something, right? It's the sin of omission is what we're going to be talking about today. So Tim mentioned a little bit earlier um, about some of them. We're going to go into them a little bit more. But of all the spiritual disciplines, we, do, we want to address why prayer. Yeah, so why would Jesus pick uh, prayer to be uh, this formative spiritual discipline in combating temptation? Uh, I believe part of it is relating back to the three different spheres of evil. Is it, evil is multidimensional, it's complex. And we know that the best way to fight something that is powerful is to submit to God and let God do the fighting for us. It says this in James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so prayer is a way of putting your spiritual battle axe in God's hands and letting him do the fighting for you. That's a quote from St. Theophan the Recluse. is a, a monk who was versed in spiritual warfare even while he was in a monastery. So this idea that we give God the weapon and let him do the fighting for us because he knows how to fight evil in all of its different dimensions. Also, when we think about prayer, what does prayer do to us as we're in the midst of spiritual warfare? Romans 8.29 talks about how we are predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son. And we believe that prayer actually changes who we are and conforms us into the image of Christ, into the image of God. And there's this study with brain alignment. Uh, this is coming from a neurosci- neuroscientist from Northwestern University, this guy, Morin Cerf. And he found that when two people are in close proximity to each other, their brain waves start to align and they have the exact same brain waves. So when we think about prayer, this becomes a way for our brain waves to align with what God is doing, right? When we spend time in God's presence through prayer, we are conformed to his image. So just spending time confirms our thoughts, our words, and our deeds to God's will. Jesus is able to pray, not my will, but yours be done, while knowing the details of his brutal death, because that is not the first time that he has been in the garden. Every day, Jesus was abiding with the Father through prayer in much the same way that Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden before the fall. So figuratively speaking, every day, Jesus was in the garden. Yep, and so... Again, the real temptation that Jesus was facing was, was not to do something, sorry, but, but to not do something. And so we want to say, again, that having the proper response to evil uh, will be our strongest witness, right? Um, and Tim mentioned earlier because the first point of that, it's our strongest witness because the world can uh, identify evil, right? There's a, there's a common ground of place to, to have conversation and bring in truth and freedom through the gospel. But, but secondly... A reason why it's the, pro- the proper response is prayer is because the world is watching our response to evil, okay, or our lack of response to it. So the church is called to be holy and set apart for the sake of others and for the sake of the gospel, okay? Uh, we have some neighbors that lived on the street from us, Du and Maddie, that we love very much, and one of the neighbors that lives in their building, um, they've had conversation with, and 
he has recently um, become Muslim, and he explained to them, well, I grew up in the church, and the church wasn't doing what they said they were going to do, and so I left it, and now I am following Islam. And so this is just an example of, okay, it's how important it is for us to reach people to live and, and do what we say we're doing. Again, and that's our, our proper response to evil and temptation is that, through prayer. Um, when we were researching this, uh, temptation, evil, fighting with prayer, what's the response? We did a Google form for us. And so basically you went in when you felt temptation and you checked the box of what the temptations were. So we <laughs> made a list and then it said, did you pray? Yes, yay, no, boo, you know. Uh, as we were making, as we were making, no one wanted to do our list with us. I don't know yeah, why. I just tried to recruit people, but just ended up being us. Um, um, but as we were doing that, as we were creating the form, even again, and now we're going to go back to these sins of omission. We're thinking through what are some of these things, these temptations to not do something, or some of these sins that we maybe don't even identify or validate as sin. Um, and so they came in, into four groups. That we, and this is not exhaustive, but this is just from our own personal research. Uh, the first one is pride. And what, what pride could look like, and these are some of the things that were on our form, um, was passing judgment on others, having a critical spirit, elevating yourself, self-obsession, or inability to listen to others or relate to other people's problems, because yours are more important, right? The second area was anger. Um, and so, again, this is not necessarily like the, your, your physical response to anger. That's more of an outward. But self-righteousness and really wanting to be validated where you've been wronged. Okay, so that place of anger. The third area is comfort. Someone's sick at work. So you ask to pray for them or do you just sit and keep doing your work? Do you go out and be intentional with your neighbors or stay in and watch a movie? Right? So... Comfort is a big one, and we're not, we, we are advocates for Sabbath and margin in your life, and so we're not saying that you have to be intentional all the time, but you know, you know the conviction if you're feeling like you're erring on this side of comfort. And the fourth area is entitlement. So this is, unfortunately, what we as millennials are really known for um, by a lot of people. Um, I've worked really hard today, so I deserve blank. A drink a new pair of shoes, more vacation days than I'm getting, etc. fill in the blank. Even more so is this place of reciprocation. Well, I did this thing, so I deserve this. And we, do, we see that in the church. We see that in our relationship with God, right? God, I did this, and so now you owe me this. Ouch. Entitlement, okay? It's another sin of omission. So if we continue as the church to fall into these temptations over and over again, these sins of omission... We're not being the church that God's called us to be, set apart, holy, righteous, for the sake of the gospel. So we're coming to an agreement this morning that having a proper response to temptation and evil is critical in reaching our families, our coworkers, Boston, the nations. Okay? So we want to go into, as we kind of enter into this, the practical side, how do we respond, how do we pray, and then have some response this morning. So we fight temptation through prayer and intercession. Okay, so here's a few tools um, we, that we have experienced. But again, this is not an exhaustive list. Um, the first one is 
preventative disciplines. Okay, so if you don't spend time in the Word, know who God is, know who you are, when temptation and evil come, it's going to be very hard to respond in the proper way, right? And so we're just submitting that. This is something that we believe very strongly as a movement at Antioch, that spending daily time with Jesus, getting in his presence, again, seeking his face, knowing who you are, who he says you are, and knowing the word of God is going to be your strongest defense. The truth will set you free. wanted to uh, build off of that and share a story about how Scripture uh, empowered my spiritual warfare while I was in CFTS. We had, uh, during the training school, we had a season of fasting. And while uh, fasting uh, from food in the middle of the fast, I was experiencing uh, some challenges uh, just with anger. Anger was something that was really welling up in me. Um, when you don't have food to suppress uh, some of these emotions, right, they, they become a little bit uh, more difficult to deal with. And we had put Silas down to sleep, and in the middle of the night, he woke up again crying, was inconsolable. I was trying to comfort him, and I knocked over our sound maker, um, a little noise machine, and it crashed on the floor, and I, I got more irritated, more frustrated. I wanted to pick it up and throw it against the wall. And so I envisioned myself just smashing this thing against the wall. And I was overcome by a sense of uh, condemnation that, uh, or a, just a sense of feeling guilty that I had this anger and that it was almost incontrollable. Uh, thankfully, Alyssa was there to, to take Silas at that point and, and settle him down. But I couldn't go back to sleep after this. I was still wrestling with this anger, wrestling with the fast itself, feeling like... Um, is this fast something that's going to endanger my family because I don't have control over my anger? And so I started to, to journal, to pray to God over this. And the first thing that I felt prompted to do while journaling was to write out this passage uh, that I had been memorizing. It was Romans 8. So there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So being able to uh, have passages, truth, uh, at the ready when you are feeling tempted, when you're feeling accused, uh, is one of your best weapons in spiritual warfare. Have your sword sharpened and ready. Uh, another aspect of this fast that was, was challenging was uh, just some of our intermarital uh, relations. I, I hadn't done a good enough job communicating to Alyssa beforehand what this fast would be like. And through the training school, through having a discipleship group, I was able to reach out to the guys in our D group and ask them for prayer and experience a lot of breakthrough in that. So another aspect of spiritual warfare is letting other people into the fight. Uh, there's a reason why in the Lord's Prayer all of the references to the first person are in the plural, right? It's all we and us. And we are meant to fight this battle together as a bride, not as uh, one single person. Yeah, and so abiding in Jesus, memorizing scripture, being in community, and the fourth way is uh, with the Spirit. And 
not going to talk about uh, tongues today, although we believe in them, and if you want them, you can pray for them at response time. Um, but we are talking about the Spirit and the way that He speaks to us and through us. And so I have a quick story because we're rushing through here. Um, uh, just a little testimony for, for my life, and, and there, there is a, a type of prayer called listening prayer or um, inner healing prayer. And if you want to know more about that, there's people who can share that with you as well. Um, but basically, it's a practice where you listen to God, right? Um, you, you acknowledge God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and you ask them to speak to you, okay? And so when I had Silas about a year ago, uh, we had a pretty traumatic uh, labor, like most people I find out, you know, but it's, it's pretty traumatic when you have a baby, guys, okay? Um, but it was, it was not what I expected, um, and it caused some serious fear and anxiety in me that took me a few months even to acknowledge, not without the persistence of people asking me how I was doing, but um, it took me a little while to figure out what was going on, and it was, caused a lot of anxiety in me, um, even just to leave the house at times, like having to consciously ask people to kind of jump in and pray for me, but after about six months... Um, I realized I had to pull some, somebody in and went through this, an inner healing prayer process with someone. So someone who could walk through with me. I, I wasn't able to do it myself. And so you, you, can, you can do this yourself, you know, but I, I need someone to walk through it with me. And so thank God for community. And through this process, um, I realized that I believed the lie that God had abandoned me in the labor and delivery room. And so this is, one, this is something that was birthed in this process, this lie that I had believed, um, and created a lot of anger and fear and frustration and, and unbelief about who God was. And as we kind of round, we identified this um, through this process, we asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, where were you? Where were you in the delivery room? And I saw a picture of me on the bed, and the Holy Spirit was Silas, and I feel like the, the Lord said, I was with Silas. I was protecting Silas. Anyways, major breakthrough, right? Like, the enemy has no more stronghold on me in that area. Amen. Okay? God was with me. Okay, all, all that to say, the Holy Spirit is with you when you are fighting these battles, right? So acknowledge him, invite him in, listen to what the Spirit has to say to you. Um, so we, we submit again that uh, the Lord's Prayer is finished with this line, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, to urge us to the proper response to evil and temptation to prayer. Again, not for our sake, but for the sake of others. So today we touched on the meaning of temptation and evil, Jesus' response to temptation, and we brought to light some sins of omission that tempt each of us. So we hope the Holy Spirit has brought some conviction and revelation this morning. When that happens, we want to respond. We have a few ways that we can respond today, but if God is already speaking to you, something's already struck a chord in you, if the Holy Spirit's already speaking, we want you to, to go with it. We want you to receive prayer and whatever that looks like. Um, as we kind of explain some ways that you can personally respond, we're going to have the, the band come on up. Um, and our, our prayer team can come up when we're done explaining to you. You don't have to come up this second, but we have a special prayer team for you all this morning too.
Um, so you can, you can respond today. We're going to give a couple of prompts. Um, there's going to be people up in the front that, that are prepared to pray for you. You can pray with the person next to you. You can come in the front, kneel down before Jesus, and just receive and listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, or you can stay in your seat. It's whatever, that, whatever you feel comfortable with. Those are a lot of options and ways that you can respond today. So as part of response, the first part of response, we'd like to revisit this external aspect of evil uh, and pray for deliverance from anxiety, from fear, from panic attacks, night terrors. Um, wanted to look at anxiety for a second. And this is uh, looking at Google search trends. So if you go to trends.google.com and you type in a search word, uh, you can see the popularity of that search word over time. So this is starting in 2008 and going up until the present. And you can see this uh, exponential curve of anxiety becoming more and more popular in people's uh, search behavior. So we believe that uh, anxiety is, is a real tool that the enemy uses to limit our potential um, to keep us from being effective in the kingdom and to uh, just cause problems for, for people who are not in the kingdom as well. So it's an opportunity for us as believers to pray for people uh, outside of the church as well. Uh, I also wanted to juxtapose anxiety with uh, maybe another word that, that shows um, the proper response to anxiety. I, I picked this word faith and so you can see that as, as faith is on the decline, anxiety is, is increasing in popularity. So how do we respond to anxiety with faith? Uh, I believe that we need to pray over it. And I'm also aware that anxiety is a complex problem, that it's not solely spiritual. Sometimes it's, it's uh, chemical as well. But we want to pray this morning against anxiety, against panic attacks, against uh, night terrors, any other form of fear that you might be experiencing. We believe this is a real problem affecting our culture, and we'd like to see deliverance this morning. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The second area is through those sins of omission that we talked about earlier. So we want to have a time of where you can confess and be delivered. So confession and deliverance from those sins. So um, again, we talked about anger talked about pride, entitlement, and, and comfort. And so as we were speaking about those, if something struck a chord in you, it's probably the Holy Spirit. And so we would love to offer a place for you to confess, God, I am sorry. Confess of our, of our sin, of our temptation, falling into temptation, and ask for deliverance. Lord, I do not want to, I don't want to struggle with this anymore. Deliver me. Deliver me from this pattern. Bring me freedom for the sake of others, for the sake of our city. Um, and so that's another way you can respond this morning. Again, that would be people up front. You can respond in your seat. Um, but we, we are delighted to be here. We thank you for having us. And um, we're going to pray and believe that God's going to continue to move through response. Can we have the prayer team come forward? In, in closing in prayer um, a couple of scriptures God did not give us a spirit of fear but a spirit of power and love and 
self-control. So Lord, we just we ask today that you would replace fear with power, love, and self-control, God. And we did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we have received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Lord, we pray that you would replace this spirit of fear and slavery with a spirit of sonship, a spirit of adoption as children of God. We pray that we would have a true recognition of of who you are, God, and a true understanding of our identity as, as children of God. Empower us today in our prayer in Jesus' name.